But if you have your Bible, if you can go to the book of Acts, that's kind of what we've been covering uh, as we're talking about Athens, Acts chapter 16. And uh, while you're turning there again, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, parents, for entrusting your kids to us. And I want to say a special thank you to all those 80 workers. Listen, they didn't just work this week. Many of them worked even beforehand doing all the decorating type stuff and out in the gym. Listen, if you haven't been out to the gym, we're going to eat out there right after service and you're going to see all the decorations that took place. It looks like a huge marketplace in Athens and it was, it's just a phenomenal weekend and it would not have been possible without those 80 workers who prayed, who prepared, who taught, who loved on these kids, listened to them. And uh, it's because of their efforts that we're able to celebrate what God did this week. So everyone who was involved in VBS, thank you. Okay, We're literally from the bottom of my heart. You are the one who's helping to move the mission of God forward one person at a time. So thank you so much. Now what I want to do is just spend a few moments uh, talking to us, especially as parents. Okay, Every, every one of us adults, uh, really. Uh, and my, jo- my desire right now is to encourage you. All right, I want to encourage you. Uh, we, we have our good days and we have our bad days. We have things that seem to be working really well sometimes and then the bottom drops out. And so what I want to do is I want to basically share that, you know what? As I look through scripture, I see that the Bible speaks to me about my specific situations. And I think those of you who've been reading the Bible can experience that yourself. So today, this is your life, all right? And what I'm going to look at in Acts chapter 16 is the story of a Philippian jailer, all right? He was someone who had a job. He was employed uh, from the government of Philippi, and his job was to take care of the prisons, make sure the prisoners were kept where they needed to be. And as I look through his story, I found out that his story is very similar to mine, and I believe it's going to be very similar to yours. All right, so this is your life. Here's what I think uh, can be said about most of us today. Most of us, we try to do the best we can. Is, Is that a fair statement? If not, the opposite is you don't do your best and you just don't care. Okay, so I'm going to go with the positive side and say many of us, listen, number one, we try to do the best that we can. Right? And we're going to see that also in the Philippian jailer as well. In Acts chapter 16, verse 23 and 24, uh, let me give you a little background of, of what's going on here. Paul and Silas, they went to Philippi and they wanted to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people. The first person they ran into was a, na- a lady named Lydia and she was having kind of a small group. They feared God, but they didn't really understand uh, a whole lot. They didn't understand about Jesus And so Paul and Silas was able to come to that small group to be able to present the good news like what I'm going to share with you today. And and Lydia, who was a very wealthy person, she came to know Christ. And so, boom, a small group happened. Well, then while Paul and Silas were walking through town, there was this one lady who, uh, she was messed up, all right? She she was possessed. She she just went out and yelled things, and it was causing Paul and Silas. She was constantly following them everywhere they went. And so finally, Paul looked at her and and basically said, be quiet. And the, the demon that was inside of her left. And you think that's just something to celebrate, right? Well, the problem is, is there were people who owned this girl. She was a slave. And she was making money with fortune telling and all that other type of stuff. And so when that spirit was gone, she was, in their minds worthless. But in God's mind, in God's heart, 
he freed her. And so Paul and Silas, because of the anger of those people, they incited a riot to happen in, in Philistia. And they were thrown into prison. Enter the Philippian jailer. Enter us. All right. If, you're in, if you have your Bible, Acts 16, verse 23 and 24. Here's what the scripture says. They threw them, Paul and Silas, into prison. And they ordered the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, okay, so now that he got the order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet and their, uh, in their stocks. All right, so let's just think about this for a moment. We said our, our, our point here is we do the best we can. And I believe what we see just in these two verses that the jailer did the best he could. And here's what I mean by that. He was under orders. Do your job. Here's what he could have done. He could have put Paul and Silas into the first open prison uh, door and just threw them in. And that would have been doing his job. But he went above and beyond. We do the best we can. So here's what he did. He threw them into the inner prison, which was the most secure place. The inner inside. So if they were to escape that, they would have to go through a whole lot in order to get out. So he was in an inner prison. And it says that their feet were in stocks. Think of it this way, a long, um, let's say a six by six piece of wood, okay? And it was cut out in certain spots so that they would have to put their feet in it. They would have to sit down and then the other piece of wood would be on top, which means they are immovable, okay? They, they could not get out. So not only were they in the inner prison, they were securely placed with their feet in stocks. So there was no human way possible that Paul and Silas were going to escape this prison. Now let's look at the, prison, uh, the, the jailer's perspective. He did his job. Not only did he do his job, he did it the best he could. Now I don't know if it was because he had pride in his work, which I believe some of us have. We have pride in our work. We want to do the best we can so that we can leave the job, punch out, and walk out and say, you know what? I made a difference today. And so this jailer, he thought, whoever these people were, whatever that they did, I made sure that they were secure and they were not going to escape. I did my job. Sometimes we try to do our best in order to please somebody, don't we? Maybe to please our boss, maybe to to get a raise or something like that, or maybe just to get someone to appreciate us. Some of us feel like that. Some of us are just like this jailer. We do the best we can with what we've got. And with that said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little deeper in, in just a moment. But before I do, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to just come in this place and just really uh, speak to our hearts in a mighty way. Father God, thank you. Thank you that we can get into your word in the midst of all the awesome chaos of VBS, Lord, that we can, we can do some introspection. We can look at our own life as parents, as grandparents, as, as youth, as teens, as children, to be able to say, you know what, this is my life. Is that where I want to be? Is that where I want to go with my life? And I pray that your word would speak to us, not just to our ears, but to our hearts and to our minds, and allow us to respond. We can't hear truth and not be changed. So God, please do your mighty work. I pray that you would bring freedom, Lord, to some people who are captive. I pray, Father God, that your word would cause uh, people who have, have ran from you, Lord, to see the goodness and the greatness of who you are and come back. And I pray, Lord, that many people who may be struggling with faith itself, that they would find that you are worth living for. We pray this in Christ's name. 
Amen. So this jailer, he was just simply doing the best he could. I believe we can all relate to that in some way. This brings me to point number two. Interruptions happen that are out of our control. Have you ever been there? No? You've never been there? Are you kidding? Let me say that again. Interruptions happen that are out of our control. Anybody been there? Okay, yeah. So we can relate to this situation, all right? Uh, let's, let's read on in verse 25 and 26, back 16. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Yeah, that's what we do when we're in the midst of jail, right? And the prisoners were listening to them, so they had an audience. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Yay, right? Paul and the prisoners... Because the stocks have been broken, the doors have been opened, all the prisoners, including Paul and Silas, could now escape. To which we say, if we're Paul and Silas, or even the prisoners, yay! But that's not who we're focusing on right now, is it? We're focusing on the Philippian jailer. Now let's put ourselves in his position. He did the best he could with what he had. He was just following orders. And then out of nowhere... Boom! The prisoners had the ability to escape. And I'm sure there were more prisoners than, than there were jailer. And so these prisoners could have overran them if they wanted to. And if they needed to. And so out of nowhere, a natural disaster happens. Something happens that is out of the jailer's control. Was it his fault? No! He was doing the best he could. But guess what? Whether it was his fault or not, the jailer would be blamed for any escaped prisoners. Matter of fact, Herod, whenever, whenever Peter would escape earlier in this book of Acts, Herod ordered that the prisoners be put to death. You see, what was common back then was this. If you were a, a jailer and one of your prisoners escaped, then you would have to suffer the fate of that prisoner. Which means if they say 25 to life, guess what? You, the jailer, will get 25 to life. If you're sentenced to death, which happened quite a bit back then, then you, the jailer, would have to take on that penalty and die. At the very least, he would lose his job. At the very least. But at the most, he would lose his life. This was an interruption that came out of nowhere. It was not his fault. Let's just be honest. Some of us, sometimes, mistakes happen and we're the ones who mess up, right? Let's just be honest. We are the ones who mess up and we have to deal with those repercussions. Okay? I've heard it said, we all have the freedom to choose right or wrong, but we do not have freedom from our consequences. Right? We have the freedom to choose, but we do not have the freedom from the consequences of our choice. So we get that. We got to own that. All right? We make mistakes. We fall. We fail. We lie. We cheat. We steal. We rebel against boss, against our heavenly boss, our God, our Lord. We rebel against our spouses. We rebel against our parents. 
But sometimes we do the right thing and things still go bad. What do you do then? What do you do then? That's a question that we have to ask ourselves. And we've got to be honest about that. Which brings me to number three. You and I, we have a choice on how to deal with life's interruptions. We have a choice. Acts 16.25 About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Remember Paul and Silas? They were shackled in chains. Why? Because they were following orders. Okay? They came to know the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And God's, here, here's the command of God. If you want to put all the commandments, all the hundreds of commandments in the Bible, if you want to sink them into a small phrase, it's this. Love God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. All right? Love God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And the greatest news you can tell your neighbor, the greatest act of love, is to share the eternal changing truths of God's word. And so that's what Paul and Silas were doing. They were going from town to town sharing Jesus. They were following orders from God and they were in prison for it. How did they respond to those consequences? Man, they were praying. They were singing. I'm sure there were some sermons being done there and prisoners were listening to it. Listen, they were rejoicing in the midst of their circumstance. Not because of their circumstance, but in the midst of their circumstance, they were praising God. But that's not who we're really talking about today, right? We're talking about the jailer. Okay? Think about the jailer. He had a choice to make, right? Let's look at what the verse says about him. Acts chapter 16 verse 27 says this. When the jailer woke, and that was from the hurricane, I mean the the, uh, earthquake, excuse me. Uh, When the jailer woke and he saw that the prison doors were open, it was dark so he really couldn't see much, but when he noticed the prison doors were open, it said he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had Escaped. In his mind, they were gone. He couldn't see very well. In his mind, they were gone. And why not? The doors were open. The shackles were released. Of course you would be quick to think that. So let me just go with him. How did he respond? Remember, the jailer was just following orders. He was securing prisoners. And then something outside of his control happened. Earthquake. The prison doors opened. And how did he respond? He tried to kill himself. Do you see the stark difference between Paul Silas and the Philippian jailer? One of them sang, they still kept doing the mission that God had told them to do. They, they were still keeping orders. One of them went to abandon orders and end it all. In your situation today, let's just get real honest here. In your situation today, How do you respond to life's interruptions? How do you respond to the death of a loved one? How do you respond when your spouse leaves you? How do you respond when the doctor gives you bad news? How do you respond when your job becomes insecure or gone? 
How do you respond? Honestly, how do you respond? There's two options. You can worry or you can worship. You can pray or you can panic. You can sing or you can do self-harm. We have a choice in this matter. How do you choose? You know, if I spend a little bit of time with you, I can know what you're going to choose. How can we possibly know what people are going to choose? When I find out what you believe, I know what you're going to choose. Because listen, if you believe that you're the center of the universe, what happens when the rug comes out from under you? Chaos. When you think you're supposed to be in control of everything and things become out of control, you're going to respond in chaos. But if instead you have the belief that God is the center of the universe, then when things go wrong, I can trust and trust myself to Him because He knows what's best. Do you have this mindset that maybe life's interruptions, they're constantly happening to you? If you believe that everything that's going on bad always happens to me, bad luck, I can't win. Listen, that's chaos. But instead, Paul and Silas, they didn't see these interruptions as things that happened to them. They saw them as things that happened for them. It gave them an opportunity to grow. It gave them an opportunity to be strengthened. It gave them an opportunity to be purified. Because when we go through trials and tribulations and struggles in our life, what it causes us to do is to cling on what it is we truly believe. And it's in those times that we're going to realize, does the thing that I believe in really hold water? Is it worth trusting in? Think about this. I heard Pastor Matt Chandler say, listen, you couldn't put the Apostle Paul down. You couldn't, no matter what, no matter what situation you put him in, he would see it as an opportunity to continue the mission. If the jailer said, I'm going to kill you, he said, fine, to die is gain. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you go to live as Christ. I'm going to share the gospel. They couldn't hold him down, no matter what was going on in his life. So I ask you again, When these trials, when these issues, when these life interruptions happen to you, how do you respond? Do you think that these circumstances mean it's the end? Like the jailer? Or like Paul, do you see these circumstances as an opportunity to live out your mission in a unique way? To see God come through. Or to think you've got to do it yourself. Let's read on. Acts 28. So the Philippian jailer is about to hurt himself tremendously here. Look at what verse 28 says. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Something amazing happened. Something more cataclysmic than the earthquake just happens here. Just listen to this. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear... Was he trembling with fear because he thought everyone escaped? No. Here's why he trembled with fear. He trembled with fear and he fell down before Paul and Silas. 
Then they brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Here's the cataclysmic shift that took place that was bigger than the earthquake. Okay? Here it is. In the jailer's desperation... The jailer's trust in himself and all his good deeds faded. They failed. And it was at that moment when he knew he needed a savior. Because the best he could do was not good enough. He needed one who was able to rescue him from himself. He needed someone who would give him a peace That Paul and Silas had. That's what made him shake. He saw the predicament they were in. And they still had joy in Jesus. And now he faced problems. And he was about to kill himself. And then he realizes. I need what they have. He needed someone. Who could give him escape from death. It wasn't him. Because he was about To kill himself. That's why he asked how to be saved. And when they told him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, everything changed for the jailer. Let me ask you, has your life been changed by believing in Jesus? That brings us to point number four. Your choice... Your choice affects those around you. We see that, don't we? In every area of life. If, if you do good decisions, it's going to affect you and your family. If you do bad decisions, it's going to affect you and your family. This is kind of a dub. Well, let's read on and see what the Scripture says about this. Your choice affects those around you. Look in verse 32. And they spoke, this is now them preaching. Now they spoke the word of the Lord to him, to the jailer, and to all who were in his house. So wife, kids, maybe grandkids, maybe even his parents came over, we don't know. But there was a group of people that was hearing the word of the Lord. And then it says, and he took them, the the jailer took the prisoners the same hour of the night, and he washed their wounds. They may have been the very wounds that he put on them. Because he was just doing his job. So he washed their wounds. And then he was baptized at once. He and all his family. Then he brought them up into the house. And he set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household. That he had believed in God. Listen. We don't know what tomorrow is going to hold for this jailer. Okay, because the magistrates and others are going to come in and maybe all the prisoners are going to be there, but the doors are going to be different. Okay, Uh, so the stocks are going to be broken. He's got lots of explaining to do. All right, he's got a lot of explaining to do, but he didn't care anymore because he found the one thing that meant all of eternity for him and his family. He found Christ. And that changed everything. Not only for him, but for everyone in his family. Let me ask you this question. The point here is your choice affects those around you. How would the jailer's family have been affected 
if Dan took his life. Yeah, pretty bad. It would have been very bad. But listen, when the jailer chose to believe in Jesus, this man, this husband, this dad, he loved his family too much not to tell them. That's why he sent Paul and Silas to his house. A father. Let me tell you something. Dads, just throw this out. Dads, granddads. I mentioned this a couple of weeks in a sermon. And I just want to give you kind of a chart to show you. Just This is statistics of what shows uh, about decision making within the, in the household. Okay? Um, how, how valuable is the weight of a dad who comes to know Christ and brings their kids to church. If a child, through vacation Bible school, for example, comes to know Christ, there is a 3.5% chance that the rest of the family will come to know Christ. 3.5% if the child tries to lead the family to Christ. If the mother is the first person to receive Christ and tries to lead the husband and the children, There, it jumps up to what? 17%. 17%. That's great. But if the father, if the father says, I'm going to be the spiritual leader of my home and I'm going to love my wife as Christ loved the church and I'm going to pour out everything I know about Jesus to my kids and my family, the scripture says, 93% of families will also come to Christ. That is the weight of parents. That is the weight of dads. So does your choice affect those people around you? Absolutely they do. Again, your good choices are going to affect the family in a positive way. Your bad choices are going to affect in a negative way. But listen, the best decision that you can make for you and your family is to know Christ, to grow in him, to get connected to his community, the church, and to live for him. Listen, it's not enough for you to walk an aisle and pray a prayer and then go do your thing. It's not enough. You you know what shows that you are Christ? You know what shows that the decision you made was real and genuine? That we do what Paul and Silas did. We have to tell others. We have to live for Christ. And we can't do it alone. God tells us we're to do it in community and church. So if you say, man, I came to know Christ when I was 12 years old. I'm 73 now. I haven't darkened the door of the church since and I don't really care to. God, Me and God, we got our own thing going on. Listen, God disagrees with you. God says that we are not to forsake the assembling of each other. We're to, we're to care for one another. We're to express the gifts that God has given us to other people. God is not a solo God. He's a universal God. And he's a God who deals in community. And so I urge you, make church a priority. But more than all that, know Jesus Christ. Where does it all begin? Here's how it begins. It begins by you today receiving Jesus as your personal Lord 
and Savior. Let me break down real quickly what it means uh, to, to receive the good news. All right? How do you receive uh, the good news? In the Bible, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4, what Paul does is he gives the good news of all the scriptures in a nutshell. All right, for us to be able to succinctly, succinctly be able to show what it is that Christ has done for us. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 and 4, the scripture says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what also I have received. So Paul's saying, just like we want our dads and our moms to do, Paul says, someone gave me this information and I'm giving it to you. Wow, what an example. And what is that information? Here it is. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Here's what that is saying. Christ, the very son of God, he died, but he died for a purpose. He died for a reason. He didn't just die on a cross and you think, oh, that's beautiful and that's wonderful. No, no, no. He died for something. He died for someone. He died for you. And the scripture says he died for our sins. Meaning that Jesus Christ would pay my sin and your sin. He would suffer the penalty of sin so that you and I wouldn't have to. Do you see the difference there? I told the kids in Romans 5, 8, listen, no one can leave here today. No one can leave here today and say God doesn't love them because of what Romans 5, 8 says. Okay, we, we, we can have our own things about God. Well, I, I think God maybe should have done this or that. Well, you know, you can get to arguments there. But listen, here's what you cannot argue. God doesn't love you. Because Romans 5, 8, it's not on the screen. 5, 8 says this. But God demonstrated. God proved his love in this way. So whatever's about to be said, God just said, I proved that I love you. So you can't say I don't love you. I demonstrated my love to you in this way. Christ died for you. Think about that. God demonstrated his love is this, that Christ died on the cross for our sins. Does God love you? Yes, he does, and he has proven it. He doesn't have to keep reproving it. He's already proven it. So Christ died for our sins, but then it says Christ, the very Son of God, rose again, rose from the dead on the third day. Why would he have to do that? Well, he did that so that you and I could know without a shadow of a doubt, 100%, that he defeated death and that his penalty on the cross was sufficient to pay for our sins. See, if Jesus was still in the tomb, we'd be kind of curious. Did it work or not? Well, him coming out proved I died and guess what? I'm so powerful, I can also bring life out of death. And so if you put your faith and trust in him, listen, he defeats the one thing that you're most scared of, and that's death. And he defeated that on the cross. He did it for you. Amen. Let's do it together. Amen. Woo! He did that for you. And he did that for me. The gospel saves us from our sins. So how do I receive the good news? Here it is. You receive the gospel by faith, by trust, by belief in him. Here's what Romans 10, 9 through 13 says, and we're closing with this. Romans 10, verse 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth, to confess means to agree, which means don't speak a lie. If you're going to say it, speak the truth. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you really believe that, speak it. 
Jesus is Lord. And then he says, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what does it say? You will be saved. For it is with the heart that one believes and is justified, made right. And it is with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, I love this. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. That's why the Apostle Paul didn't mind being shamed by the world. Because he knew that because of his faith in Christ, he would never be put to shame in heaven and throughout all of eternity. So listen, if you believe in him, you will not be put to shame in God's eyes. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Let me ask you a question. Anybody here African-American? Raise your hand. Okay. Is anybody here uh, Indian American? Raise your hand. That's part of me a little bit. Uh, Anybody here Irish American? Okay. Anybody here uh, Australian? Uh, That's a totally bad accent. Australian American. (laughs) Anybody here uh, Spanish American? Okay. If I missed you, raise your hand. Okay. I apologize. European American, there we go. Okay, Canadian American, I don't know. Listen, out of everybody in this room and all our different nationalities, according to the scripture, who's exempt from being saved? No one, because he says everyone. Let me ask you a question. Are you uh, 10 years old and under? Raise your hand. Yeah, all right. Are you 50 years old and under? Raise your hand. All right. If you're 122 and under, raise your hand. All right. Oh, there's some that didn't raise their hand. Oh, 131 or under, raise your hand. Age. Is there any age that God would say you're deficient from being saved? Why not? Because he says everyone. Listen to this last verse, verse 13. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen to this truth. The best thing to happen to the jailer was not that the prisoners did not escape. You get that? The best thing that happened to the jailer was not that the prisoners escaped. Because here's what happened. If the prisoners just didn't escape and that was it, he would have lived maybe a good, fruitful life, died And been separated from God forever. The greatest thing to have happened to that jailer. Was not that the prison was still full. But that he got saved. Okay. That he came to know Christ that day. So the best thing for you. Is not for your situation to get better. The best thing to happen for you today. Is to have a right relationship with God. Through Jesus Christ. I believe that nobody in this room is in here by accident. I don't believe that. Because I believe, according to the scriptures, that God ordained before the foundation of the world, before the beginning of time, for you and I to hear this message. Maybe this message will save you today. Maybe this message will encourage you. Maybe this message will give you hope. Maybe this message will give your family hope. What I want to do right now is I don't do this very often, but I want to ask everybody, if possible, if you just kind of uh, close.
Close your eyes and bow your head. This isn't going to be one of those things. Raise your hand if you did or whatever, whatnot. We're going to have a time of invitation. If God has dealt with you in something and, and you just want to experience the joy of that and tell somebody, we're going to have that opportunity during our invitation. But here's what I want us to do, okay? People ask, you know, what does it mean to get saved? Is it about just, just praying a prayer, saying the right uh, words? Listen, God is not a magician, okay? He's not witchcraft or anything like that. It's about It's about... Saying the truth, confessing with your heart that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that, that God raised him from the dead. Okay, that's the truth of the matter. Believing, trusting that, staking your life on those things. But what I want to do right now is I want to have a word of prayer with you. And some of you who may, not, who may be struggling with your faith or may think, you know what, I'm not a believer. I just want to give you some words because sometimes we don't feel like we have the words to say. And so I'm just going to pray a prayer. And if you want, you can pray this with me as well. Again, these words don't save you. It's the attitude of your heart. All right? God, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be here today. Thank you that our kids got to hear some good stuff this week. But God, this morning I admit to you that I have sinned against you. I am a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for my sins. He came to take away my guilt and punishment. He came so that I can have forgiveness of sin a relationship with God, and a purpose for this life and forever. God, I believe that Jesus rose again the third day. So God, right now before you, I turn to Jesus Christ, my only hope, and I receive him as Savior master of my life. God, I believe that Jesus is the only one who can save me from my sin. So God, this morning, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your salvation by faith in Christ, my only hope. Jesus, thank you for saving me. God, help me to live for you from this moment forward. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, right now is our, our invitation, okay? Uh, we're not going to drag this out. Uh, I know that there's a lot of things going on. You may be wrestling in your mind about things, but listen, if you can, give us two more minutes because I believe this is the most important thing. All I've done so far is just given you information, okay? Information alone doesn't trans- transform you. What transforms you is what you do with that information. Everyone in this room has a choice to make, just like the Philippian jailer. So I want to ask, if you prayed that prayer to receive Christ, listen, just like Paul did, just like the jailer did, he wants people to know about it because that's the greatest decision you could ever make. It doesn't matter if you were a deacon in a church before. Okay, it doesn't matter if you've been on a committee. It doesn't even matter if you've been a missionary. It doesn't matter if you've been the head Sunday school teacher or director. It doesn't matter. What matters is that today you have the assurance that you know Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
If you come walking today, no one's going to look and say, how could that person? No, they won't. They'll praise Jesus because you have been set free. Not by works, not by law, but by grace. So I want to ask you, in just a few moments, we have people who are going to be up here who would love to pray with you and to celebrate with you. You just come right on to me and I'll direct you. That's fine. But some of you also are believers. And you think, "Uh uh-oh, I can't go forward now because they're thinking I'm lost. Okay, forget what man thinks, all right? Some of you are believers. And through this message, you need to go to the altar right now and talk to God about something. That's what it's here for. Don't let shyness, don't let pride stop you from speaking to Jesus. Some of you may want to come and just ask for us to pray for a friend, a family member, or even a parent. Maybe who's struggling with either a decision or a decision's been made for them. Maybe they're struggling with cancer or they're struggling with some financial issues. Or maybe you even have a job situation or maybe a family is just kind of wrecked. Many of us have been affected by that. We get that. So man, come. Let us pray with you. Let us pray for you so that, so that, to, that us together can just partner together in praying that God would do a miraculous work. Listen, don't let this invitation uh, go without you doing what you know you should in Christ. So everyone, let's stand.